Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Derek Morris. And I'm Anthony Kent, and it's a real pleasure to welcome you to this program. Derek, this is an exciting topic we're going to be looking at today. It is, and we've got a wonderful guest, Pastor Mark Finley, talking about the local church as an evangelistic center. It's an exciting topic, isn't it? Because there's so many opportunities, so many things that a local church can be engaged in. And I had a chance to witness that firsthand when Pastor Mark Finley came to a church in Orlando, Florida, where I was serving as a pastor. And, and I saw a miracle of God happen as that local church really became an evangelistic center in the community. Wow, that sounds exciting, Derek. So it's going to be very practical, and we're glad that you joined us for Ministry in Motion today as we talk about what God might do in your ministry through your church, becoming an evangelistic center. Small groups, health evangelism, building bridges. What could God do to bless the lives in your community? We hope you'll stay tuned for Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic, the local church as an evangelistic center. Our guest, Pastor Mark Finley. Delighted to be with you. Mark, you've been a local pastor. You've been an evangelist. You've been a worldwide evangelist. You've had a media ministry. But we're coming to a basic building block here, the local church as an evangelistic center. You know, as I get up to preach in a local congregation, I think of that congregation as the body of Christ each member being given gifts by God to be released in service. And so the basic fundamental concept that the church is an evangelistic center is that every member has been gifted by God. My role as a pastor is to help members discover their gifts, enable them to use their gifts through various ministries in the church, to make an impact for Christ in the community. Now, what if someone challenged you and said, well, where do you get the idea that a local church should be an evangelistic center? Where does that come from? It comes from body theology, really, because if the church is the body of Christ, a body is designed for activity. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible outlines the Apostle Paul, this great concept of the church as the body of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, it says, For as the body, that is the church, is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also as is Christ. So it, it outlines the church as the body of Christ. But then in verses 4, 5, and 6, and this, Derek, for me really is revolutionary. I will tell you honestly that for years I did not understand the concept I'm going to share with you now, but for me it's been revolutionary as I think of the local church. Verse 4, 5, and 6 says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Now there are three things in the passage. Gifts, ministries, and activities. Mm -hmm. God gives the gifts to members of the body so they can participate in ministries with concrete activities as they reach out in the community. Let me illustrate that. Somebody may have been given a gift of teaching. They have an unusual gift of teaching. The ministry 
through which that gift may be expressed, say, in this given, is to teach a health seminar. But the specific activity might be a cooking school. So the role of the pastor is not to organize his church around spiritual gifts. I had a pastor call me once and he said, Pastor Mark, I am so frustrated. I said, why are you frustrated, preacher? He said, I had a spiritual gift seminar in my church and my members have 28 spiritual gifts, but I don't know what to do. If you look at the New Testament, God gives the gifts, but the church is organized around ministries. Mm. So the pastor helps members who have gifts to develop those gifts by guiding them into, through the Holy Spirit into ministries. And so you begin working in a ministry and see if that is the giftedness area that God has led you. So we call it in church growth the narrow few principle. The fewer, the narrower your, your ministry base in a local church, the fewer people you're going to win. The broader your ministry base, the more people you're going to win. So a pastor helps people discover their gifts, develops an overall strategy around ministries. It might be a health ministry. It might be a youth ministry. It might be a community service ministry, maybe a literature ministry, a Bible study ministry. The smaller your church, the fewer the ministries you can develop. You can never have two ministries until you have one. You can never have five until you have four. So we encourage pastors to begin, sit down with their church board, begin to pray through the idea that God has led them to that community to make an impact for Christ, to develop ministries, then, ha, then do specific equipping of their members to, to minister through those ministries to reach people for Jesus. You know, if you take the text seriously, it's important that not everyone has the same gift exactly. or is equipped to be involved in the same ministry. Mm -hmm. So the old idea, well, that, that means we all have to go door to door and, and give Bible studies. Some will be called to do that, but others might do a health seminar, sure, cooking other, school. Family life, youth ministry. So the idea is that everybody can do something, but not everybody is going to do everything. You find the ministry to which God has called you. You say, see, witnessing is not a spiritual gift, it's a calling. Whatever my gift, the purpose of that gift is to witness for Christ. The purpose of that gift is to share His glory. So we, in, we look at the church like this. Let's suppose the palm of my hand is the church membership. Each of my fingers become a ministry, and this is the community here. So members find channels into the community through specific ministries. Mm -hmm. Now, every member, of course, is a witness in their family, on their job. We don't mean to imply that you need to have some ministry, but ministries are tangible opportunities to reach communities for Christ. Recently, we have held a large evangelistic initiative in Mobile, Alabama, and I've been amazed at how that church has just, the churches there have come alive. Some have done literature ministries. They have just loved to go out and hang Hope Channel brochures on the door with opportunities for Bible studies. And it's simple. Young people just hanging these Hope Channel door knockers, advertising Hope Channel on the door, and people sending in cards for Bible studies, giving out literature at 
to their friends, giving out books. Other people have found really opportunities to participate in a whole variety of health ministries. Others have been involved in Bible study ministries, others in prayer ministries. And so the broader the number of ministries, the greater the opportunity to reach people for Christ. After the break, I want to talk about why some people resist the idea and say, I just wanted to do church. Yeah. I don't really want to be an evangelistic center uh, making a difference in my community. Practical suggestions we've heard in this first uh, segment, uh, lots of different ministries were all one body in Christ, but many members yeah. and many ministries. Why do some people resist that? And what can you do as a leader to help your church become an evangelistic center? We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. An important topic today, church as an evangelistic center. And our guest, Pastor Mark Finley. Mark, so good to have you with us. Delighted to be here. You know, talking about the church as an evangelistic center, we're saying, why is it that some people are a little fearful of that? And uh, a pastor friend tells the story. He was pastoring in a large institutional church and began leading the church to understand the church was an evangelistic center. He was a great evangelistic-minded pastor. He had all kind of ministries going out of his church, and new people began to come in. And some of them didn't dress like the church members, and some of them didn't look like the church members. So change. So, yeah, change. Some of them didn't smell like the church members, <laughs> you know. And he told me, he said, one day he was studying in his pastor's study. A knock came on the door of his pastor's study. It was one of his elders and a group of church members. And the elder said, you know, we represent a group of church members. And pastor, before you came, Everything was so calm and peaceful, and we had wonderful fellowship. But all these new people are coming in, and they're disrupting our mm -hmm. fellowship. Mm -hmm. So it was fear of change, fear of the unknown, wanting the church to be kind of a very comfortable place. But God wants us to impact the community. He does. You know, Pierre Barton, the English skeptic, wrote a book called The Comfortable Pew. Mm. And he said, I'm a skeptic, but I love the church on Sunday morning because it's the best place to go after you have a hangover on Saturday night because it's so comfortable. You just go there and some guy drones on and, oh and there's nothing happening and you mm. sit in the pew and you can fall asleep. He said, I suggest that every person that comes out of the pubs, you know, in England, yes. go to church on Sunday morning where they can oh. fall asleep, you know. So we don't want church to be that way then. Yeah, not at all. You know, this idea that comfortable pew. Yes. Uh, God is leading us out of our comfort zone. Yes. He's leading us to be bold, radical witnesses for Him. And the church becomes that evangelistic center. Elton Trueblood, the great Quaker scholar, said, the church of the 21st century will be a mini-seminary. Hmm. I really like that. So the idea is that it's the Ephesians 4 model. Um, People come, learn, grow, and then go out to serve? Exactly, exactly. You come, you grow, and you go out to serve. Ephesians 4, you know, I, I love that model. It says that Jesus, verse 11, Christ gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. You know, the word for and there is chi, and it's not pastors and teachers, teachers different than pastors, but some translations, Derek, say teaching pastors, mm -hmm. or some say pastors who are teachers, 
for the equipping of the saints, that's the believers, for the work of ministry. So what's the function of the pastor? The, one of the biblical functions of the pastor, one of the biblical job descriptions of the pastor is that the pastor becomes a teacher or an equipper of the believers for their work of ministry. Right. So the question that we ask is, what is taking place in my church to help my members discover their gifts? What kind of training programs do I have in my church this year? Is my church truly a training school for Christian workers? Um, what's taking place on a Monday night, a Tuesday night, a Thursday night, a Sabbath afternoon? Do I see the church as this training school, as this evangelistic center? Do I see the church as a radical, revolutionary entity for Christ where every member is actively involved in some form of service? So if I get past that comfortable, keep things the way they are, yeah. to say God really wants to impact the community, um, what can I do as a leader? I heard first from, from the text here, teach. Yeah. So I, I can teach them about uh, God's ideal for the church as a center. What, what are some other things a leader could do to really lead a church in that transformation of becoming an evangelist? I think there are a number of things. You have to ask yourself, who are the thought leaders in this church and who needs to work with me to help the church turn the church around? And so I suggest beginning with your church board and making mission the top priority of every church board um, meeting. There were a group of Baptist churches in the Midwest of America. In fact, there were a hundred of them. They all were under a hundred members and um, 50, 55 members when they started the study. 20 years later, half of the churches were still 50, 55 members. The other half of the churches were 150, 200, 300. What made the difference? That's the question. Yes. So what did they make a difference? So they looked at the pastor, not necessarily hmm. the individual pastor. Hmm. They, they began to look at all the components. They went back and looked at the church board meeting minutes. And this is the single most important thing. When they looked at the minutes for 20 years, they found that the churches that weren't growing were in survival mode. Who's going to fix the leaky roof? Mm. Who's going to take care of the carpet? They were inward focused in survival mode. The ones that were growing were the ones that placed priority on growth. The ones that were growing placed priority on Christ's mission in the community. So the question is, where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your effort? Where do you spend your influence? Where do you spend your money? So I recommend that A, we go to our church boards as pastors and we place mission priority. Every church board meeting begins with what are we doing in the community to make an impact for Christ? Every church board meeting. This is what we've done this last month. These are the programs that we have, ministries we have going. These are the equipping and trainings that we're, training that we're doing in our church. That's first. Secondly, that every church have a strategic plan to reach its community. If you don't plan for anything or shoot at anything, you won't hit anything. That's true. So what is your strategic plan? If I went to you as a pastor and I said, now, pastor, can we sit down and can I go over your strategic plan for this community? What's your plan for the next two years? What's your plan for the next three years? And we like to look at at least a three-year plan by a local pastor for that community. So church board, the church board develops a strategic plan. Then what, then I give them five basic elements, spiritual revival, training and equipping, community outreach, reaping, and nurture. So we say, let's build a strategic plan around revival. What are we going to do? What kind of ministries are we going to do? What kind of initiatives to bring spiritual renewal and revival to our church? What do we have going in equipping training? What do we have going for community outreach, general? 
what do we have going for specific reaping and how are we going to nurture? With that kind of intentional plan, uh, it seems to me, and I've seen it in my own pastoral ministry, that God will provide the resources for that to happen if the vision's clear. He does. You know, God has not been tried and found wanting. <laughs> He hasn't, you know, and I, I have something written in the flyleaf of my Bible, and I go back to it very often. It was by Hudson Taylor, the missionary pioneer to China. Mm -hmm. He says, God's work done God's way never lacks God's supply. Beautiful. God's work done God's way never lacks God's supply. So God brings in the financial resources. God brings in the people resources. Yeah. He yeah. gives us people resources. When the vision's clear. When the vision is clear. People are looking for a leader with clear vision. And we'll talk after the break uh, about what that could look like. Maybe some illustrations that mm. you've seen, Mark. Some things that could happen in your church. Wouldn't it be amazing as God provided resources and people because your vision was clear that your church could be an evangelistic center in your community. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry of Motion. A wonderful topic today, the church as an evangelistic center. It's good to have our co-host, Anthony Kent, back with us. Thanks, Derek. And Pastor Mark Finley, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm just enjoying it so much. You know, I feel like I'm sitting listening to the Apostle Paul well, where we talk about the church as an evangelistic center. And you've shared so many practical insights. Uh, even now we've been talking about what are some things we can do, getting people involved, seeing how God will provide the resources. Share some experiences where you've seen that happen. It must have brought joy to your heart. You know, I've seen that happen on a number of occasions, places where we would think that it would be impossible. I was conducting a meeting with a number of pastors in a pastor's workshop, and I didn't know what the hall talk was. You know, there's always what happens in the public meeting in the hall talk. Yes. And I just wasn't coming across. It was one of those times that I thought I was, but I wasn't. And one of my friends came to me and he said, you know, this didn't happen to be in the United States. It happened to be in one of the overseas areas. In this particular country, they were a little resistant to what they would call, quote, unquote, American ideas. And so I was talking about the church as an evangelistic center and the church, you know, growth. And in this particular country, the church hadn't grown very much at all. And so... I went to the pastors knowing that I was not coming across as I ought to. And I said, you know, maybe I've missed the mark here. And I said to them, but I have a question for you. Let's take your capital city here. It's not a large country and your capital city has a million, a million and a half people. Would you think that 50% of those would be receptive to the gospel? They said, absolutely not. Hmm. Do you think 25% would be receptive to the gospel? Absolutely not. Do you think 10%? Maybe but probably not. So I said, out of every hundred people, do you think there might, might be five that the Holy Spirit is working on their hearts, he's creating a receptivity to the gospel? They said, okay, we'll grant you that. I said, you know what your problem is? You are, you are focusing on the 95% mm. that the Holy Spirit has not yet prepared. 10% mm. of a million people is 100,000. 5% is 50,000. Yes. 50,000 people in the capital city, by your own admission, may be ready for the Holy Spirit to yes. work. That's a lot of people. It's amazing. And yeah. here's what I believe. You know, John Wesley had a concept called pervenient grace. Yes. And here's what he said. 
He said, Pervenient grace is the grace of God that opens the heart and mind of every person sometime in their life to be receptive to the gospel. The work of the soul winner, the work of the evangelist, is to find where God is already working and working with him. I think that there are many churches that meet on their church boards and they discuss all the problems of why that church isn't growing, mm -hmm. not recognizing that there are people like that Ethiopian who are on the verge of the kingdom waiting to be gathered in, yes. people like Cornelius that are praying. One of the things that I've discovered, and, I, and, I, and I'll illustrate it, when the church gets actively involved as an evangelistic center, God brings people that you never could have found humanly. Absolutely. I was talking in one of our earlier programs about Mobile, Alabama, when we were there for our evangelism recently. I was teaching every morning to pastors. We had all kind of lay people involved. And so I was having a hard time getting my exercise. So I went out between class in the afternoon, my evangelistic meetings and class in the morning, I'd try to find half an hour, 45 minutes to walk. And the church had a pretty large parking lot, so I'd walk once up, back, up, back, you know. So I went walking in the parking lot. I was walking in the parking lot, a car drove up, and a lady said to me, do you know anything about this church? Are you the pastor? I said, no, I'm not, but I, how can I help you? She said, I want to talk to somebody about the doctrines of the church. Hmm. I said, well, tell me what doctrine you want to talk about. She said, the Bible Sabbath. Hmm. I said, why would you ask me that about the Bible Sabbath? She said, here's why. I became a Christian nine years ago. Two years ago, I came across the Sabbath in the Bible. I thoroughly have studied it. I've been to pastors in this city hmm. and I don't have a clear answer and I want an answer. I said, well, come on in the church. We studied for an hour on the Bible Sabbath on that Tuesday. I met her again on Thursday. We studied again. She began coming to our meetings eventually accepted the total message of the Bible and has just been baptized. Mm -hmm. Now, the, why do I use that illustration? When the church becomes an evangelistic center and people develop an attitude toward witness and a heart for souls, yes. God brings people that we don't expect. And there are the Corneliuses, there are, there are the Ethiopians, there are those people like that Samaritan woman who just accidentally right. or providentially exactly. or the Jesus lady driving through the parking lot or the lady yes. driving through the parking lot you see so so to me as we reach out for mm. Christ and as our members are trained in service and as the church becomes this evangelistic center God says okay that's a safe place to bring people and he mm. begins bringing them in beautiful you know I think of a church that held a health uh, festival a health mm. fair Mm -hmm. I think five or six hundred people came yeah. through the fair. If I'm following what you're saying, perhaps not all of them are really seeking right. God and a life-changing relationship, but some are. They are. And so I, I hear you saying helping that community to be alert mm -hmm. to where God's at work, but also ministering to, the, to, to everyone. Right. We minister to everyone, mm -hmm. irrespective of whether they respond or not. Yes. But we pray that God will give us the eyes to see yes. those whose hearts are open to the gospel now. Yes. Beautiful. And of course, the Holy Spirit has a part in this. Oh, yes. You know, leading people that, that are see seeking and, and genuinely looking. Mm -hmm. it, this is a God thing, isn't it? It really is. Um, mm -hmm. We just have a lovely young couple that my wife and I are real good friends with, and their story is just an incredible one. Tini was holding a cooking school. Uh, down in this uh, in, in Alabama, actually in this yeah, Mobile series. Yeah, yeah Tina is my wife. Yeah. So she's she's holding this nutrition series, and um, a couple 
wanted to have a deeper spiritual experience. They had fasted and prayed to God for 21 days. Mm. They drank water during the day. After sundown, they ate. Mm -hmm. And so they would call this a Daniel fast based on Daniel 10. They were very serious about seeking God. They said, God, we need answers. Mm. We need answers. At the end of the 21 days, they went to this young man's mother's home to just celebrate. And when they got in, they said, do you know, do you have your answers? They said, we don't have our answers yet. Mm. And the wife said, well, look, I'm going to a nutrition series by Mrs. Finley. And uh, why don't you come along with me to this young lady who and her husband had this fast praying for answers. The lady came in, sat with her mother-in-law, and she said, this is what I've been looking for all my life, a church that integrates physical, mental, spiritual. She went home and said to her husband, Rob, <laughs> we got to go back to the church this night. She became your recruiter. We got to come back this night. The, the, the in-laws said, nobody will be there. They said, yes, they will. Those people got to clean up. They met my wife that night. Mm. Then Teeny introduced me to them. Mm. We became friends. Today, they're rejoicing in Jesus. Well, that, that is a center of evangelism, yeah. isn't it? Mark, yeah. thanks for sharing that with us. Thanks, Anthony, for being with us. You know, that miracle that we just heard could re be repeated over and over again in your community. Think of the number of people that live in your city. What percentage might have a heart that's open to God? Can your church have open doors, a bridge rather than walls, to reach out, minister the love of God to people? And then notice those who are really seeking God and His transforming presence in their lives. We're glad you were challenged to be with us today for Ministry of Motion. Go to our website, ministryemotion.tv. Share how you've seen God working in your community drawing people who are seeking him. And I challenge you to let your church be an evangelistic center. That's what God wants. Thanks for joining us for Ministry of Motion today. Thanks, Mark, for being with us. I pray that God will bless you in your ministry for him to make a difference for the honor of his name.